User Grindstaff Publishing audio files. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Grindstaff Publishing podcast. It is uh, currently about 9.30 on Sunday, October 11th, here in the garage on a very stormy Oregon night. The wind is blustery as hell and rain and wonderful. I love it. Perfect October weather. And uh, hopefully, either in this or in the um, chapter six, um, yeah, a little bit of that. Hopefully you guys can hear that a little bit. Anyway, um, but in this this podcast or the um, or the chapter six of the audiobook, you might maybe hear a little bit of rustling of the trees and everything. It's just very very much a fall a fall night, so perfect. I'm out here with uh, I kind of moved my situation a little bit to the other side of the garage, so now I have this uh, really old writing desk that um, that Alex got. I think it's from either her family. Uh, I think it's from her family somewhere. It's pretty old, though. A lot of scratches and a lot of dents and really old, dark wood. So I have that, and I have my um, my nautical, my my nautical metal-framed um, light with the Edison bulb in the middle, and I have my cozy flannel um, um, uh, candle going, and it smells nice in here. So it just feels very, very October, very fall, and just definitely my, my favorite time of year, and a good time to reflect back on what has happened of this year and just going back, back, back and definitely with Europe. So yeah, so this, this podcast is going to be a more of a wrap up of what's, you know, chapter four, five, six, Sweden, part one, Norway, Sweden, part two. And, um, both the Swedes are pretty, are pretty short chapters. And then the Norway one is a little bit longer, but the, you know, it's all, you know, in real time, it's probably like over the course of like four days or five days. So it, it didn't feel, you know, very, you know, very logical to be like, oh, okay, well, here's one day behind the scenes, next day behind the scenes. So it's just more of a compilation. So I get, like always, hopefully listen to the audiobooks, or if you haven't, just relax and listen. So um, chapter four finds uh, Reed and I going to um, to Sweden. So we we got on a boat, <clears throat> excuse me, we got on a boat from, uh, from Turku, Finland, and then went across the Baltic Sea, and then came to Stockholm. Um, we got there at night or towards the evening time, and then went and found our uh, had to go way far away. What felt like five miles, I, I it's definitely a couple miles at the very least uh, in the in the dark. And then we got through the whole sub, underground subway situation, and then there was this this flood of people that was pouring through the subway, and we were trying to get these at opposite of where they were going. So we were trying to get up on onto main ground and they're trying to get to the subway. So this craziness of people. And so finally we, we emerged and like, what the hell is going on? We, we had no idea. And apparently in, uh, in Stockholm that night, the band U2 was playing and, um, who I have since seen. And I, I have witnessed that madness and have been feet away from Bono and all those guys. So I've definitely, I definitely understand it now, but at the time I was like, what the hell is happening? And what the situation was, is that they were all coming from the concert back towards us. We were trying to go to the place where the concert was, unknowingly to us. 
And so we get to this gigantic complex, make our way through. It's basically empty in there. And then we try to kind of meander our way through. And then we find, um, find our hostel. And what our hostel is, is um, sleep pods, sleep capsules. So we had been staying in these really, you know, not really cool, but these old places and these very much a hostile environment um, before. And so then we come across this very like Japanese style hostel where there's a, a bar, which is oddly um, kind of shaped after this like Boston, New Englandy sports bar on one side. And so that's where you get your key. And then you go into the hallway where people would go take a piss and, you know, go to the bathroom. And then on the other side of the hallway, basically close to where the bathrooms are, are these, you know, there are, are two, two doubles and they're, they're basically size of a closet. And so it's just really newfangled technology, push a button, the door opens, and then there's basically just enough room for a bunk bed, top bunk, bottom bunk. There's a little, there's a little like little drawer situation next to the bottom bunk and that's it. It was very, very small. Um, so I climb the top bunk, re gets the bottom and we're just like, wow, this is, this is happening. Okay. And so we're like, well, now it's nighttime. We're, we're here. We in this really bizarre set setup. So let's go find some beer. We go out and we go to like this gas station place and find really cheap, low alcohol beer, we're like whatever, who cares? Go back to our sleep capsules and in, and in the corner, very, very nicely, very chic. Um, they have like basically a little like a, like beach setup. So they have two lawn chairs. They have like, they might be a palm tree maybe or something tropical like that. A fake, of course, palm tree. And we're like, well, this is weird. And we just pop some beers and just sit there and just like, just talk about like, well, okay, here we are. This is awesome. This is a uh, Stockholm. Sorry. And so that was our first night. We, I mean, we, I, I slept fantastic. Um, you know, my Reed and I were, you know, pretty, pretty compatible in like the way we shared a room or in this case, a closet. Um, so we get up the next day. Um, we immediately go down like into like the, the old town medieval district of Galmastan in Stockholm. And, um, just blown away by the architecture. There's a lot of like black iron, black steel versus, you know, mixed with red brick and very medieval and beautiful and very narrow streets and cobblestones and just very picturesque. And in our typical way, we wanted to get into, you know, out of the typical tourist district, which that was very much a part of. And so we, we kind of go out and we find ourselves in, into this like residential area. And um, we kind of just, we see some graffiti. We see, we see some rocks with graffiti on them and some walls with graffiti. So we kind of go along towards that. And then we ended up popping out and seeing this beautiful view of Stockholm. And then we go down to the water, the waterways. And that was beautiful. And <clears throat> just typical Reed and I just trying to get, just get away from the main tourist spot, but still hit the things that are really cool. Stockholm was one of those places that we just really wandered a lot. Um, Reed hadn't made a ton of plans for what we were going to do in Stockholm or for the larger part of Sweden. So we just kind of wandered around, went to some parks, got, looked at a lot of architecture, um, and just was strick, stricken by the beauty of the people. Um, and not like culturally or ethnically or whatever, like just literally the, the attractiveness of these people because, you know, I... I'd always heard that, you know, Swedish, Swedish people, but more, more specifically for me, Swedish women were just some of the most beautiful in the world. And I was like, okay, well, whatever. That's sure. Okay. 
And then when you see these people, male and female, it just you have to marvel at just their their beauty. They're 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 just naturally fit people. Um, they very you know the average person that we saw, um, a very small sample set, but people we saw took care of themselves. They have you know very fit people, blonde hair. The the men had like perfectly trimmed beards and a lot of black clothes. And I I just remember being so stricken, just being like, wow, people here really care about how not how they look in, in like vain ways, but just being like, oh, okay, there's like respect. Like, yeah, like I'm going outside. Like I'm going to, you know, I'm not just going to wear a holy t-shirt. I'm going to like, you know, put thought into this. And so that struck me. Um, and then kind of going along with that, that night um, of, our, of our second night in, in Stockholm, our first first full day in Stockholm, um, we were wandering around and Reed had made it a point to go to this particular brewery. Um, no surprise. Or I guess it's been more of a pub. It wasn't a brewery. Their their beer was brewed in Stockholm, but wasn't brewed in the, that location. And so we went to this place, and it was just like it must be like a Friday or Saturday because it was just bumping, just like a lot of young people, a lot of like these vibrant, you know, colorful people that were just having fun, having pizzas and really good beer. And it was just, it was very much a scene that like a you know twenty five year old like me and twenty six year old like Reed. We're just, just, that's what we're used to being from, you know, back home in Oregon. And so we went to this place and back home, you know, sour beers were just like this thing where it's like, okay, well, you know, it's kind of like this like ultra hipster thing that's, oh, well, I like sour beers and, you know, whatever. But then this place was kind of designed for that person. And so it was the most pedantic, you know, craft beer nerd place ever because it, it was probably like 15 beers and like over half of them were just these amazing sour beers that I have yet to even come close to having again in that taste and just the, the complexity of those beers. And so Reed and I were just on cloud nine. Like it was, it was one of those nights where we were just peeking, talking about all kinds of stuff. You know, of course, Werner Herzog pops up and, you know, the classics pop up and books I want to write and movies he wants to make and, you know, music and stuff and just typical Reed and I things and just accompanied by just beautiful people, great music, um, amazing beer, pizza was fantastic. And then we would come out, out into this dark night and just beautiful people everywhere. It was beautiful environment, the cobblestones. We came back, um, we very quickly ditched the sleep cop capsules and we, went, we found ourselves on this really awesome boat hostel, um, unlike the one in uh, Turku, um, Finland, this one was very much small and like more of a, you know, a very kind of closer vibe. And so we had to share a room, but it was a lot more like, you know, intimate's the wrong work. We weren't like, you know, on a honeymoon, but you know, it was a lot more like, okay, yeah, this, this is actually a cool place. Like this is a, this is a boat that like, you know, Jacques Cousteau could have taken, you know, did research in the Bahamas or something like that. And so that, and so we just kind of had that buzz and rode that buzz throughout the boat hostel kind of thing. Um, then, then, then the next day we got up and then we kind of had like the morning to ourselves and did our own things and walked around a lot more. And then I think that afternoon we, we got on a train and head and went over to Oslo, Norway. And um, up until then we had made it a point to, you know, at least 24 hours in advance, we were going to book our hostel, you know, just that, that way we knew that at the very least, no matter if nothing else was planned, at least we had a, a destination to go to and a place where our, our packs would go. And so I can't remember why. It was probably my stupid ass that, you know, said it. 
but for some reason we were on this Oslo train and we, and like, we just didn't, we had no plan of where we were going to stay. And so of course I was like, yeah, let's, let's do this thing. Let's be spontaneous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. And then we get there into Oslo, Norway, and we're shot out into downtown. We had never been there before. We didn't know where we were going. And so we're like, hey, well, let's find a hostel. We pull up all the the, the typical um, hostel apps we had been using. We went to some hostel websites and things, and everyone was sold out. Like, it was all booked up and stuff. So we're like, well, that's odd. That hasn't happened yet. And so we were luckily, we were right next to um, a, a hostel. So we walked in and we asked, and, and the guy just basically laughed in our faces, like, you're not going to find a hostel at this time. It was only like five o'clock. It wasn't even that late. And so we're like, oh, shit. And so we do, you know, look around, look around, look around. You know, Reed is not panicked like per usual. And I was like, uh oh, we might be fucked here. Excuse me. So we, uh, we find this, uh, well, it's kind of like a hostel hotel situation. And it was a little expensive, but, you know, we split it, so whatever. And we were luckily, you know, luckily found a spot to put our heads and thank God. But it really made me think about spontaneity and, you know, perhaps, you know, there should be an anchor of something, you know, like if you're cool with sleeping on the streets in a foreign country, cool, man. Just totally, totally be as spontaneous hippie as you want to be. But I didn't feel like, you know, sleeping on the streets of, you know, in Oslo would be the, the way I wanted to go. So I guess this whole book is about spontaneity, but, you know, kind of logical spontaneity where it's like, yeah, if you have a if you have a day, you know, to do something, you know, maybe don't plan out the day, but have points where it's okay, I, I maybe I want to end up here because then I know this spot. So if you're young and stupid, like I definitely was, just maybe think about, you know, spontaneity being a good, you know, good start and then maybe having anchor points along the way, just, just to make sure you're grounded and at the very least have one anchor being like, okay, there's a pillow somewhere, not some kind of rolled up bag on the sidewalk. So, um, you know, like always, um, as soon as we as soon as we found our, our place, we went and found beer and then had dinner. Um, the next day was really cool, and it, and it, it definitely goes down as one of the most amazing days of the, the entire 94-day trip because in the planning stages, Reed found or thought to find um, this amazing place in Oslo called the Viking Viking Ship Museum. And believe it or not, it houses a bunch of Viking ships. Um, it is definitely top three museum places I went to in, in Europe. And even though I could read just fine, um, walking in and seeing, like when you literally first walk in, there is a damn near fully reconstructed um, you know, not reconstructed like they made it, but like they dug it out of the ground and they put together Viking ship. So, you know, they're, they're sitting in it's all of its glory with its, you know, dark, almost black wood and, you know, gold ornations and it, just big and beautiful and right in your face. And it's like, whoa, that's freaking amazing. And I think there are four ships in there. I think there is the, the, the main one. There was the most intact, which is damn near fully intact. And then um, they kind of go downhill from there. As And then the last one is basically the hole. And so the kind of like the, the basic skeleton of it. And these are all dug up. So they're pretty, pretty incredible. And then besides those ships, 
there was um there were uh glass cases of different art pieces different artifacts that were, that were found at these burial sites and just incredible and, and then and then upstairs there was a uh, a a um pieces of bone and and a semblance of a of what of an ancient viking person would look like and so it just isn't it's incredible and so we were there for for like an hour, a couple hours, and just I, I took so many photos because it just like you look at this stuff and it's like this this could all just be movie prop stuff. It it, it looks it looks perfect. It looks like it's you, you just you just you just came across it like laying on the ground. It didn't, wasn't even buried, and so that was great. It was the the reason it hit so well for my liking is because it just really encapsulated so much of the entire Scandinavian culture you know, in one artifact. And like, it, if, if all they had in that, that museum was just that almost fully intact Viking ship, it, it would have made it entirely. Like that would have just been it because I mean, you don't touch it. I didn't touch it. You shouldn't touch it. But if you did touch that ship, that would, that's, that's history. That boat probably sailed. That boat carried Vikings. That boat carried ancient Scandinavians around. And, um, and who knows what it did. So, and, and even if it didn't, it, it was built, and it was, it was built for a really important person, probably a chief, and then buried with him. So I can't remember the exact story on what happened with that. It was definitely definitely from a burial site. So one of those two. Um, after that, we went uh, quickly um, to the next door, see like, I don't know, a few few minute bus ride <clears throat> to the, uh, I can't remember what it's called actually, but it's basically a, uh, a reconstructed, rebuilt, um, how the ancient Vikings would have lived. And so it was, um, it was, it was also amazing because these places they built were like the barracks, you know, like the normal, the normal sleeping arrangements, the, um, you know, just these, this basic stuff that the everyday people from, you know, a couple thousand years ago or a thousand years ago would have just been hanging out in. And it was, it was great. And then we kept on going down the walkway and just really, you know, really vibing with this culture and it was kind of overcast and it was drizzly and a little bit rainy and it was perfect just for the atmosphere. And then we came across, um, probably the most beautiful church I saw in all of Europe, which is the Viking stave church. And so it, it was just, it was so cool. If you never, you've never heard of a stave church, do yourself a huge favor, go to Google and type in stave church. It's, it's, it's like, it's like a, a piece of art that also doubles as a place where you pray to the gods. And it was so cool. Still the same super dark stained, if not black wood. And then they had like dragon-like gargoyles, like facing these four, four corners. And everything when you got up close to it was ornate, just super sculpted, super char, uh, super chiseled, you know, different sculptures, different, different patterns, different, different movement of wood. And now that I'm a I'm a dad and I I, I take woodworking pretty seriously, um, and and I just I'm not good at it, you know. I just I just do it. Um, but I and I can look back and admire that work and that craftsmanship. I, I just look back and think, wow, that's someone that did that with hand tools, with a chisel, and just it was it was beautiful. We we didn't go in because I think it was actually closed that day. Um, but that's definitely uh, go back to Norway, go there kind of thing because it was just so incredible. And it's interesting because I guess, you know, that 
a, a hallmark of the Viking people, or at least the Norwegian Viking people, was that everything was built out of wood. So nothing was built to last. You know, the pyramids were built out of limestone. You know, there people use people use bricks and you know different different forms of building that would last a long time. And the Vikings weren't like that. They were just like, you know, we're we're gonna build really cool shit out of wood, and wood's gonna decay, and wood's gonna you know rot. So if it's not here, then oh, okay. And so I think what the story is is that with that stave church, it came from the northern um, Norway. Um, and I, I'd assume that it stayed around because of the permafrost and because it got so damn cold and maybe that was a situation, but definitely it, 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 there were absolutely stave churches in Oslo a long time ago, but no, no real stave churches from back then exist in Oslo now. And so that one came from Northern Norway. So Northern Norway is, it's a whole other thing with me, um, I, I've told Alex a million times, my wife, that, you know, if if we ever have a ton of money, I'm absolutely going to buy, or probably build, but buy build, a little shack, very, very small shack with a potbelly stove and, you know, just absolute essentials and put that bitch right in like, you know, northern, as far northern Sweden or Norway or something like that. Just plop that thing down and be like, okay, well, I'm going to go right for three months and just exit the grid and just go up there and just like chop wood, you know, just, just do the basic minimum to get by and just write, write, write. So, um, yeah, that, that part of Scandinavia and that part of that world is just very dear to me. And I never knew it when I was growing up. Um, I just always thought being cold in the snow and that, um, that romanticism that's involved with, uh, with small cabins you know, I, I didn't know what that, where that was. I just knew that I wanted it eventually. So hopefully I get to the point where I can get, you know, get something like that. And if it doesn't have to be like that remote, I could do it somewhere, you know, I could be, I can do it in Oregon or whatever. But eventually, you know, I, I, I definitely do want to find something like that because I just so love that, that culture. And I definitely want to go back to Norway and go to the Northern part of it. Um, let's see. So a- after that, we, uh, let's see, then the next day, um, and still in Oslo, because we were, we were only there for like 36 hours total in Norway, um, we we found, we went down to the marina, uh, marina and then got onto a, a small like, little ferry boat situation, and then um, jutted out to this random ass island, I'm not even sure why we picked it. We got there, and it was actually, uh, part of it was, it was a nudist beach, and so that was that was interesting. We're like, oh damn, we might see some old old naked men. That's not good. Um, and so luckily we avoided any of that, and we went to the other side, which is very much like like home. It was a lot of lot of like wooded areas and a lot of just rocks and just is is a really cool hiking deal because since Iceland we had just been in really big cities, you know, fin or um, Helsinki and then Stockholm and now Oslo, and we hadn't been in nature. You know, so it, it was it was nice to get into the that little island, and you know we saw beautiful sailboats, and the the sky was blue, and it was just a really nice nice day, and we just kind of walked around and didn't really see anybody for a couple hours, and just really really enjoyed ourselves on the island, and it was it was just really nice to to be out there and just do 
do that, you know, that stuff that we had so, been so accustomed to be, before because so much of Reed and I's relationship was formed upon like hiking, you know, going and exploring really random spots in Oregon, a lot of like, you know, the coast and, you know, just doing really cool hikes and, and going to really remote towns, having beers in really remote towns. And it just felt really nice to kind of get that semblance of like, okay, yeah, this is what we used to do. And even though we're, you know, thousands of miles away from home, we can still do this, the same kind of stuff that we did back then. And it's just in a totally different area. And so it just felt really nice to get, get, to get out and just do that kind of thing. So I think it both helped us a little bit, just kind of reset our, reset our minds and, you know, kind of just really get us back to feeling like we were comfortable in, in a really like, you know, outside of our own comfort zones spaces. After we left the island, we soon found ourselves on a train heading back to Sweden. Um, this time we went to, we're heading towards Gothenburg, which is on the southwestern um, edge of Sweden. And Gothenburg is very much, very much a college town. There's a big university there, and it's just a really cool, really cool vibe in the place. And so, again, like you'll hear me say a million times on this podcast, that I hadn't done any planning. And so I just popped in and we're like, hey, now we're in a college town. And since we had lived, we had, you know, I had been living in a college town since college um, for like five years at that point. I was, okay, yeah, this, this feels like home. And so they immediately went to this very small, cool little, um, uh, like, cafe area. Had, um, you know, kind of like a, like a lunch situation and basically stole their Wi-Fi or used their Wi-Fi politely. And um, we, we left there. And then we were kind of going towards our hostel, and it just felt very, very college vibe. Like sandwich boards, there's a lot of arty stuff, you know, boutique kind of clothing stores, and people with, you know, trendy glasses and trendy clothes and books in their hands. And it just felt very much like, like, like a liberal college town of, you know, anywhere, apparently. Not not as America, but anywhere. And um, it's just, it, it, for me, for sure, it felt very much like I was, okay, this, this feels normal. It feels like I'm like, around people our age and we're in a place people understand what we're doing and it just felt very nice. Um, so we, we got to our, our hostel and it was, it was very much like a normal hostel, you know, bustling young people, you know, really excited about where they've been, where they're going, um, you know, bunk beds, all that kind of stuff. So it, it was very much like we were just doing this very stereotypical, um, very stereotypical hostel experience. So we get there and we just put our bags down, immediately get out. Um, and we didn't, didn't know where we were going. We, we tried to get high again, got to the highest point, um, looked out over Gothenburg, beautiful. Now I was coming. So we're like, Hey, well, let's let loose. And so being a college town was nice because there's plenty of places to get beer. And so it seems very, very much of the trip with Reed and I was very much like a pendulum. So, you know, in Norway, he was going after that really, really expensive craft beer. It was very, very snobby you know, like this, like refined, almost like wine drinking beers. So we'd be on that pendulum. So we'd have like a beer or two beers. Then we go into my pendulum and swing my way. So in Norway was the craft beer read. Then it swung to my being like, let's just drink and have fun and let's just let loose. And so that was Gothenburg. And, um, you know, sometimes Reed was into it and sometimes he wasn't. Luckily for me, Gothenburg, he was into it. So we found this really cool, very standard college bar. Um, you know, good looking people all around, 
drinks floating around, people dancing, having fun, you know, popular music playing on the radio. This is all, all is very, you know, non-read, but very much like fun environment. And so we had a couple of beers there and then we had a couple of beers somewhere else. And that was getting later. It was like midnight. And then we were like a little tipsy going. And then we walked along these beautiful to- cobblestone steps or a uh, walkway into this place called the Beef Eater, which um, was the most, uh, what, tchotchke, I guess my wife would say, um, tchotchke filled place ever. It was so funny because not only is it called Beef Eater, it's also you walk in and there's like every like England, UK knickknack ever was there. Um, it it was just, it was so funny because the walls were literally covered with any kind of memorabilia you could find from England. And it was put in a college town in, um, Gothenburg. And I'm, I'm pretty sure the B, the beef eater is like a pretty popular, um, pub place chain. Um, but it was just so funny. And we walk in like midnight, maybe a little later. And it was just us walking in and there was an old guy at the bar talking to this poor bartender that had probably been sitting there for a couple hours listening to this guy just chatter on about nothing. And then they were just so happy to just see people. They're like, oh my God, people are here. And maybe it was like a Sunday. Maybe that was a deal. Um, I can't remember what day it was, but, um, and we just spent the next like, two hours just like just having fun. Like it was just so cool. Like the old guy bought us drinks. We bought him a drink. The bartender was talking to us. Everyone spoke perfect English. It was just really fun. And we t- talked about all kinds of stuff and beer and kind of made jokes about, you know, American politics and American this and American that. And like, it was just a lot of fun. And it was just so fun just to be, you know, these two strange, these four strangers that walked into this, came together in this place. And just, we walked out being like, that was so much fun. We had like three or four beers there, or at least I did. We w- walked out at like probably two or three in the morning and just head spinning. And we found our way back to the hostel and just crash. And it was, it, it just felt so nice. And it was, you know, obviously I didn't know the time, but looking back, it was, uh, it was so interesting to think that that's how so many nights were, were going to go, you know, in the future. Um, and just being a random person, getting into the same environment as other random people. And then somehow the beauty of being a human mixes together and there's commonalities and you share stories and pretty soon everyone is best friends for that night. And, uh, it was just so, so perfect the way it worked out and it was just wonderful. Um, the next day was pretty uneventful. We, we, it was kind of a travel day down to, uh, Malmo, which is even s- Southern on the Southwest, um, coast of Sweden. And the big thing that was happening politically in 2015 in Europe was refuge, refugee crisis. And so there was a lot of just bad shit happening and, um, you know, kind of like that Libya, Syria, um, you know, Southeastern Europe, all that area was just tumultuous, very, very tumultuous. And, um, people were trying like hell to flee their ravaged countries and get to safe zones, um, or safe cities. And so in America, it was of course a hot topic, a hot issue and keep the immigrants out, keep the refugees out kind of thing. And just the typical American bullshit that, you know, there's other people in America that don't like it, but the entire world's just like, shut the fuck up and just be, be a human being. And so, um, and so Malmo was a first point in my personal travel that I was like, wow, this is, this is really close. This, this is like on our doorstep. And 
And there are so many posters everywhere that were just like, you know, Malmo is a safe city or a yeah, safe city. You know, Sweden welcomes you. If, if you need safe haven, then, you know, we'll provide that. And it was, uh, it was really interesting because, you know, something that, that definitely happened later um, was that the difference of opinions, I guess, with the news and the media. And so when I was in Europe, looking at American politics and American stuff, it was, it was portrayed so different than being in America, listening to about American stuff. And it really just, you know, just further proved that, that, you know, they're like the media is such a interesting machine that can be weaponized or can be, you know, softened to whatever the agenda is. And so it was really my first time getting that, like that raw political, you know, stuff only on, on like the forefront of it. And so, you know, obviously Sweden is pretty far away from, um, you know, Greece, which is where a lot of people were like trying to get to and like trying to enter into Europe. And then once they got to Greece, they could, you know, go across, you know, keep on going west. And so Sweden's pretty far away from, from Greece and all that stuff. It wasn't like the forefront, but it was a hell of a lot closer to America. So Malmo gave me that first real taste of like, well, this is a really big issue. People are you know, risking their lives and risking their entire, entire livelihoods and families. And they're trying to get to a place because they're, they're, they're afraid for their lives and their family's life. So mama was like that, like that first, like really exposing, exposing part of um, my Europe trip that really showed me that there is some bigger shit going on than just some random 25 year old taking pictures of stuff and wandering around. And so mama wasn't very eventful in the form of like tourism. Um, we just kind of walked around a lot. Went down to the marina, saw really cool old old boats, and and saw some really cool um, diving apparatus, and just kind of took in that culture, I guess. Um, not a whole lot of like, you know, like oh man, like there's like this Eiffel Tower, but no, it's like there's just kind of like a lot of a lot of cool stuff, and just you know, really getting after that vibe of actually the the, the town and the small towns that aren't the capital slash largest cities of the country sometimes will show you the most you know, will be the most reflective of the actual people, the culture of the place you're in. And so um, Malmo was a bit more of a stopping point, And then that was our jumping off point going down to Denmark. And so um, our last night in Sweden um, was kind of bittersweet because I think at that point we only had like three days left um, of being Reed and I. And so he was going to go back to America once we, uh, you know, got to Copenhagen and then dispersed. So, um, that was like our last, our, kind of like our, uh, penultimate country. And so, um, I remember that night having some beers and being like pretty heavy, like, wow, like you know, it's not over yet, but this two weeks has gone by really fast. And it was really bittersweet thinking like, damn, like, you know, there's just so many emotions that go into that. And it's definitely going to talk about in the next chapter of the audiobook um, with Denmark. But just that heaviness of being like, you know, he was not only my really good friend, um, but he's also my, my travel companion. So a person that, you know, I, I ended up needing and someone that I really needed to, you know, be around and relied upon. And so he we were very much yin and yang. And so he was like this person that was pre, pre, a, lot, a lot more prepared than I was. And I was like, this, wow, like, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. And, you know, Reed has my, my back there. And so I think all that stuff was kind of weighing on me in Malmo and I had, to, I had to kind of shake it off. And, you know, 
there is a really, not really long, but a, a, a fairly long train ride down from Malmo to Copenhagen across the water. And, um, and up until then, I just like, man, like, can I do this? Like, it just started feeling like this, like, you know, kind of self-conscious thing where it's like, can I do this alone? You know, is, is that, is, is that possible to do this alone? Or am I just doing this whole, like, just shit show thing where I'm like, yeah, I can do this alone, but maybe, you know, maybe it's like this overconfident thing. So Malmo and kind of Sweden part two as a, as a whole from Gothenburg down to Malmo kind of turned into this thing where it's like, can I, can I do this myself? And, you know, how much of me relies on Reed to get me through? And so maybe a lot of self-doubt. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, like, like always Reed just was, was steadfast and he was, he was the rock and just like, no, we're just going to keep doing it. We have three more days and let's just do it. Let's just have fun. So we boarded the train, um, went across the, the river, the waterway, which is a big waterway. And it was so weird to go across water on the rails, um, and just made it across. So that's the next chapter of room to Rome. Um, hopefully everyone is in, is like in this kind of format of me just talking about stuff afterwards, uh, kind of extrapolating on things that happened in the, the audiobook, And I like doing it. It's definitely fun because, you know, the words are there, they're in print and they were thought about, but this is spot. This is spontaneous. There's there. I mean, I have like bullet points of what I want to talk about, but this is all just me just jabbering on and, you know, lending a little bit more stuff to what actually happened. Um, yeah, I, I am toying with the idea of having little standalone episodes. Um, there are definitely things that I want to talk about, about being a writer, this podcast, I want to have, you know, not just be this like form of like, you know, just, you know, not promotion, but like, oh, well the book's out there, but then there's an audio book and there's this actual discussion part of it. But I also want to have things about, you know, what it's like being a writer and, you know, what it took to write these books and, you know, just doing how I am about writing and me as a writer. So I'm toying with some stuff. Um, I'll probably put something out pretty soon. Um, I, I still am toying with stuff. Um, but I do like this idea of talking about the books because I, I think, you know, it's like, it's like anything, you know, uh, a musician, you know, has their albums to express themselves, but they can't say everything on an album. Um, writers, same way. It's like, you know, this book obviously is more, you know, is a lot more personal than other books because it's like, this is my, this is, this is my life. And it's a giant portion of my life or a giant part of my life. And so I definitely just want to have this platform to talk about not only my own work, but also writing in general, and then maybe going farther than that and just looking at the writing industry as a whole and, um, and how traditional publishing works and self-publishing works and the history slash future of the publishing industry and writing in general. So you know, look, look for that in the future. If anyone is listening to this, um, thank you as always for listening, listening, and hopefully the audio sounds good. And, you know, there, please go to my website, grantsatpublishing.com and, you know, comment, find a way to talk to me. And I would love to, you know, talk to people, um, about this stuff. So, um, and also, you know, Instagram at, uh, Publishing. So there's always there and, I'm not on it very often, but maybe I probably should be more. But anyway, thanks a lot for listening and um, hope you have a great time.